Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creedon. Today on the podcast, we're going to dig deep into prayer, using the Lord's Prayer to help us understand what prayer is and what it most certainly is not. And on the inner out, it's not so much what I'm into lately, but who I'm into and how my entire world changed because of it. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's give them the bold speak. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Bold Speak podcast. Very glad you can join me as we continue through this study of condition of the heart, taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount and everything that it has to give us through Jesus' words. Now, today is a day that I have been excited about for a while. Uh, The reason is because today we get into a topic that I really enjoy discussing, and that's prayer. Now, the reason I love it so much is because prayer is an incredibly powerful thing in the life of a believer, but usually not in the way that many people typically think about it. And so I'd say that our topic of prayer today is going to be helpful for us in two ways. First, we can clarify how prayer operates and the purpose of prayer as Jesus explains it in the Lord's Prayer. And this helps us avoid any pitfalls associated with prayer. And then second, by understanding prayer rightly, we can reclaim the power of prayer in our lives. And what that power of prayer is may surprise you, as it's not the way that many Christian leaders kind of teach and use prayer today. Uh, So as with so many other topics we've covered in this study, today may be a little challenging, and it may challenge you to to rethink the way you look at prayer, and as a result, it it could change your prayer life completely. Uh, So I'm really excited to kind of get into this and, and really see what Jesus has to tell us about prayer. Now, to do that, we're going to be using the study guides uh, that I uh, have offered to you uh, through our website uh, on Condition of the Heart. And we're going to be getting into uh, the second half of Lesson 5, which is going to start on page 21, uh, beginning with the subheader, Lord's Prayer. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, there's a study guide that goes along with these podcasts on Condition of the Heart that you can get from our website, www.theboldspeak.com. If you go there and go to the store, you can purchase this study guide, and it will give you a chance to to take down some notes and write down your thoughts and follow along much easier uh, with this ongoing discussion that we have from the Sermon on the Mount. So if you haven't picked that up, I would encourage you to do so. As always, we're going to be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. So if you uh, have an English Standard Version, uh, you can go ahead and follow right along with me. If you don't have an English Standard Version of the Bible, that is perfectly fine. Just go ahead and grab the translation that works best for you. I'll give you all the verse references so you can follow along easily. And if you happen to be in your car or don't have access to a Bible right now, not to worry. I will read it all to you so you can follow along as easily as possible. All right, so we're going to start with Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. That's going to be the focus of our study, as that covers the section on the Lord's Prayer, and there is a lot there. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, if you look in the study guide, if you if you have the study guide in front of you, you'll see on page 21 that this section isn't, uh, isn't broken down into a bunch of questions so much as it's uh, broken down by the prayer itself. All right, you'll see under the Lord's Prayer that I've broken it down into six subsections or, or parts, uh, petitions of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to take each of those independently and see how they all connect to, to get to one major theme that, that really gets to the, the heart of what prayer is and how prayer operates. All right, so let's go ahead and begin with the first one here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, the prayer begins with an address that, that places God in the right position with us relationally. All right, God here is presented or petitioned as our Father. That is to say, he interacts with us in a fatherly way, in the way that a parent interacts with a child. And what that sets up for us is, is two things. First, God is established as the authority uh, and as the, the, the wise creator of all things, and so that puts us in a position where we approach God with humility, right? God is the author of all things. He controls all things. And as a result, we approach him as the creature and not the creator. And so we ask of him and, and speak with him in such a way because his name does deserve to be hallowed. He is holy. He is totally and completely different, right? Set apart. And so we approach him with humility every time we pray. And in this first petition, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, establishes that. All right, so that's the first, first thing, uh, authority and wisdom. The second thing is a trust that he has our best interests at heart. And that comes with God's position as a, as a parent, as our father. Right? Having a dad myself, I, I get this. When I approached my dad as a kid and, and wanted something, there were these same two realities. Whether or not my request was honored depended on his authority as my father. I wasn't entitled to anything. He made the call of if and how my request was managed, and in return, I was expected to trust his judgment because I knew that he loves me and, and wants what's best for me. Now, God interacts with us in prayer in the same way. So setting the prayer up as a child speaking to their father, making their requests known to him is, not surprisingly, uh, the perfect setup for understanding how prayer operates. And it, it's with this in mind that we now approach the rest of the Lord's Prayer with an understanding of, of all the realities that go along with a parent-child relationship, right? both from God's perspective and from our own perspective, right? And so it's this idea of a, a parent-child relationship that we're going to carry through the rest of the Lord's Prayer, and with, with each petition, we're going to see how that how that connects, all right? So let's go on and move on to the next petition, your kingdom come. Now, the emphasis here is, is on God's kingdom, right? Uh, using our parent-child relationship, it's the recognition that kind of this is your house and your rules, in other words, as we approach God with this humility, there's a recognition that this is all about God's kingdom and what God desires. Uh, God has intention for creation, a purpose. He designed it that way. And, and because of that, then we're constantly praying uh, with an understanding and a reflection upon the fact that life goes as God desires it to go. All right. And so we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, all right, that that 
this world would reflect your will, and that leads perfectly into the next petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, ultimately, everything that will happen is going to happen according to God's will. And this is where we really, really start to see the primary purpose of prayer. All right, prayer has little to do with what we desire and everything to do with what is best for us according to the will of God. All right, I'm going to say that again. Prayer has little to do with what we desire and has everything to do with what is best for us according to the will of God. All right, think about this. Why did our parents entertain our requests? Right, for, for those of you that, that share in the joy of parenting with me, why do you take the time to listen to your children's requests? Right? If, if they really need something, you'll, you'll take care of it. Right? So, so why bother asking? Why bother engaging in this relationship? Why do we uh, take the time to listen to them and their requests? Two reasons. First, you, you really want that recognition of authority and the nature of the child-parent relationship. Right? My children can, can get a snack for themselves, right? That, that's not a big deal, but I want them to ask so that they rightly understand the nature of our relationship, right? They didn't work to produce the food. They didn't make it themselves. They're not paying for it. The, the food is a gift of my love and care for them. So when they ask and I respond, it's a reflection of my love and sets us both in the right frame of mind for our parent-child relationship, right? And that's what builds appreciation and fights against entitlement, right? Because it puts them in a position of gratitude and communicates my love for them when I interact with them in response to their request, right? So there's a really important aspect of, of kind of this recognition of authority and in the nature of the parent-child relationship that's critical in, in these kinds of requests that we see reflected in prayer. Right? The second thing is that it allows me to teach them what's good for them and what isn't good for them because I have the chance to set boundaries. Right? The answer could be yes, but with a caveat, right? Uh, yes, but maybe that snack should, should really be healthy and not a, a really crummy snack that's gonna make you feel sick later or really just isn't good for your health. Right, so it could be yes with provisions, right? Or it could be no. And not because I, I just wanna be a jerk, but because if I give this thing that you're requesting from me to you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And, and so if I give it to you, it could possibly harm you, right? In each answer, in each instance, the answer gives me a chance to teach them and help them grow into good people. All right, now, now consider these two, right? The recognition of authority and the nature of the relationship, and then my ability through my response to teach them what's good for them. Think of those two things now in relationship to prayer, right? All of this is exactly how God works. When we pray, it's God's chance to develop the relationship by either answering yes with boundaries or no because you would end up harming yourself more. Right, and it also puts us in a position of gratitude toward God. I give thanks to you, God, for your many gifts, knowing that I don't deserve anything that you've bestowed upon me, but yet you still freely love and give. 
And so now I don't feel entitled to things, but rather I have a deep appreciation, understanding that each time God responds and gives, it's an act of love, right? Now, I know there's a lot of questions sort of tied up in prayer about, you know, when we pray and when we pray and God says no, why does he say no and what's God doing here? And there's a lot of mystery behind um, God's decisions. Uh, and I get that. But but hopefully as we go along here and you see some more things, it'll help to clear a lot of that up. So, all right, so let's go ahead and keep going. All right. So the, the fourth petition here is give us this day our daily bread. Now, here God promises to provide what we need. Right? Notice that it might not be what we want. Here, the, the guarantee is for what we need. The, the wants are left to the, the boundaries that God has for each of us. And, and those, I should say, are specific to the person. Right, One person may be able to handle something that they request, while another may not. Right, Just like each child is different to the parent, and each situation is handled differently, each person is, is different to God, and, and God handles each request uh, and, and kind of conversation and prayer differently on the basis of what he knows us of us, right? So God knows each of us better than we know ourselves and interacts with us accordingly. All right? And remember, it's all about our relationship to God, right? Not a request for something. It's not about us getting something. It's about our relationship to God. So if giving us something will cause us to become fiercely independent or step away from God, then it shouldn't surprise us that God would say no. Right? Think about it this way. If I had a child with a drug problem who asked me for money, I'd say no. Right? Because I give, if I give it to them, they could use it to harm themselves, and that would remove them from, from relationship with me, and that's not what I desire. Right, My desire is to love and to care for them. However, if my child has been, let's say, telling me about a friend of theirs that can't afford lunch and has been starving at lunchtime, and they talk about how much they want to help and they wish there's something they could do, and then they turn to me and ask me for money to, to give that to that friend, then the answer is yes. Because it's doing a lot of things here, right? Not not only does it care for that other child, which is the command to love our neighbor, but it also teaches an important lesson to my child about love, giving, and showing my child that I genuinely love as an action, and thus reinforcing their understanding of my love and drawing us relationally closer, and then as a result, drawing all of us closer to God. Right? And so there's realities to God's yeses and nos that we have to consider in regard to what's God genuinely after. Right? God is genuinely after that relationship with us. And so he responds in prayer and uses prayer as an opportunity for us to build relationship. And all of that's dedicated to a very specific end that we're going to see uh, as we finish off these last two petitions. All right, so let's move into the next one. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I, I have to say, obviously, in regard to the nature of God's grace and mercy and, and, and the gospel as a whole, uh, why we, we believe what we believe as Christians, this is a big one. right? God is, is inviting us, and through this prayer, Jesus is working with us to, to understand the nature of forgive us. 
right? We're saying, forgive us for where we have sinned against you, God, and help us to live out that radical forgiveness in the lives of other people, right? That is to say, help me to emulate your love in my life. Now, for instance, let's go back to the previous example of the, the you know, my child's hungry friend at school. What my act of love by giving him the money to, to pay for that child's meal, what that act of love does is model that kind of radical love to my children, right? In the future, they will learn that that is how we love people, right? That's what we are called to be as God's people. Those are actions, not just words, right? If I were to say like, oh man, that's a shame. I, I really hope that that child finds something to eat. And then my child goes, well, I, I know a way to do that. If you give me some money, I can buy their meal. And I'm like, well, no. Then what they learn is that love is just simply a series of words and it's an idea, but not an action, right? And the result is that when they get older, they'll start to reflect on some of those things, right? So if I showed love, if I gave uh, my child money to help to pay for that child's meal, then that'll show them that that, that same kind of radical love and hopefully they'll take that radical love of action to their children and their life experiences as well. And so Jesus is teaching us that forgiveness works exactly the same way. If we hold grudges, if we withhold love and forgiveness, if we are all words and no action, then we're not representing our God well. We're not emulating the love that God showed us, which is not a love of words, but a love of action. God's love and mercy through Christ were an act to save and redeem us. And so Jesus has us pray that our love would be an action just like God's love, right? So forgive us our debts, bring us into the realm of your unconditional love and forgiveness in, in the same way that we live out that love in the lives of other people. And this is one of the, the, the major emphases that comes along with bold speak. And a lot of what we're doing here is that strong emphasis that love is an action, right? God's love is an action. And so therefore, by default, our love should be an action, not, not just words, right? Not that it's wrong to say to somebody, you know, I love you or I forgive you. But after a while, if those are just words and there's never any act to show that love or demonstrate that love, then people start to question, well, what is love in the first place? What is this love that these people speak about in relationship to their God? Is it something I, I even want to be a part of? And that's a fair question. And so what God is inviting us to be here is people who act in love, not just speak about it. All right? And that's the whole forgive us our debts, help us to show forgiveness in the same way that God forgives. All right? So let's go ahead and move to the last one here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this one's pretty straightforward, right? Help to steer us away from those things that would harm and separate us from you, right? Just like we talked about before, when we talked about kind of the will of God and in the parent-child relationship, we say no to the things that could potentially harm our children. Here, this is being capped off by saying, and help to change our minds, help to uh, move the condition of our heart, right? That, that our hearts would be changed to want what you want, right? To, to not fall victim to temptation, but to be 
delivered from evil, right? Rescue us, save us from those moments when we're tempted. Help us to be in sync with your will, God, in regard to the evils of this world, right? And in all of these petitions now, and, and kind of looking at it from the parent-child relationship and, uh, and kind of the aspects that go along with that, all of that helps us to see a larger theme at play here. And that's question seven. The overarching theme of the Lord's Prayer is alignment, all right? Alignment. The overarching theme of the Lord's Prayer is alignment, which then becomes the overarching theme of all prayer, right? The, the whole purpose of prayer, and hopefully you've seen this with each petition, is alignment. We're called to be in alignment with God's will. It's not about what we want. We're not saying to God, I'm praying so that, God, you can align yourself to me. But rather, I'm praying and engaging in this conversation so that I can be aligned with you. Right? Help my will to be your will. Help my love to reflect your love. Help you know, my decisions to reflect your decisions. Help me to be more like you. And so the nature of prayer is for us to align ourselves and get ourselves into alignment with God. And what you're going to see as Jesus continues on from here in the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to be showing you places where we get out of alignment, right? And what happens when we're out of alignment? And I can tell you right now, it's not good, right? Prayer is the means by which we bring ourselves back into sync with God. And so it, 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 prayer has very little to do with our requests and everything to do with us learning how to be in line with God. Now, as I said earlier, this, you know, as I continued to read through the Lord's Prayer and see some of these things, it really did change a lot of the ways that I looked at prayer. And that gets into question eight here, which is the follow-up. How does this fit into the theme of condition of the heart? What I started to realize as I began to pour over the Lord's Prayer and read it several times, and especially within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, is I started to understand that, that prayer is really about the molding of my heart, right? As David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, right? Psalm 51. And so as, as David is speaking these things and saying, you know, create in me a clean heart, that's his prayer to God, which is the same exact thing that Jesus is talking about here with the Lord's Prayer, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me mold and shape my heart to reflect your heart and what you are after right? because that's what it's about it's about our kind of community relationship to God and how God lavishes his love and, and connects and relates to us and so prayer is all about the condition of our hearts God shaping our hearts to be in alignment with his heart and, and, and that's why prayer is so critical in our lives. And that's why the Lord's Prayer itself is just so incredibly beautiful because you start to see all these things, right? Prayer takes on a new meaning. So now when I approach prayer and I make requests of God, my requests are, are shaped in such a way that they reflect a desire to, to live out my life according to God's will, right? Help me, Father, to love as you love. Help me to be a great dad as you have been such a great father to me. You know, Father, if I'm in need of something, I make that request because I desire in my execution or use of what you give me to always reflect you. 
and to show people your love, your grace, your mercy, so that they can come into alignment with you, right? And that's a very different way to look at prayer. It's not just, you know, hey, God, I need this, or it'd be real great if you could do this for me or, or whatever. It's us saying to God, God, mold me, align me. And as I make my request known, if, if what I'm asking for would bring me out of alignment, then don't give it to me. And that may be hard for me personally because my sinful tendency is to have everything else aligned to me. But to switch that focus to say, well, I'm aligning to God, then we become, we become more comfortable with the no's, right? If God says no, then we accept it as that would have been harmful for me. And, and God knows better. And so I'll accept that because God knows what would happen as a result of him giving it to me, right? Now, the last part here, question nine, and that's verses 14 and 15. These are a little difficult if they're read out of context, but within context, they actually make a lot of sense. All right, so to refresh your memory, here's what they say. Verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, at first blush, this sounds like God is saying that forgiveness is totally independent upon you, and it's very conditional. But that's not what he's saying at all. Right? This is piggybacking on the end of the Lord's Prayer, and specifically in the larger conversation of condition of the heart. In other words, what he's saying here is that faith can be measured by forgiveness. Right? If your heart is aligned with God by faith, we will see you living out forgiveness in the lives of other people. But if your heart is out of alignment, then you'll be angry toward your neighbor and, and withhold God's love. All right, now, it should be noticed that Jesus has not once spoken of forgiveness as a proclamation, but always as an action. Right? It isn't an idea, it's an act of love. All right, and so this particular message here is directed at the Pharisees, and I would also argue at the Christian church today, right? Where is your heart? If we're known more for what we're against than what we're for, where is our heart? If we say someone is forgiven but continue to seek vengeance, where is our heart? If we say all are welcome in the church but avoid those people when they show up, where is our heart? Right? The kind of forgiveness that Jesus is calling us to is a forgiveness of action, not just words. Right? Speaking forgiveness is important, but it's just the beginning. We're called to live that forgiveness like our Father has modeled it for us. And so the nature of, of our forgiveness being given to other people and, and the nature of God's forgiveness in relationship to us is he's saying, look, if you're forgiving people of their trespasses, your heart is in alignment, which means you have faith. That faith is working, and that's a good thing, and, and God's forgiveness will be for you. But if you're not forgiving people their trespasses, if you're withholding that, then the question is, where is your heart? Where is the condition of your heart? And if the condition of your heart is outside of faith, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then your father will not forgive you of your trespasses. Right? It's, it's not an indictment of, of our forgiveness as being a conditional reality, but rather it's just a reflection of where our heart is when it comes to forgiveness. All right. So, uh, you know, that's, again, I, I hope you're seeing the, the incredible importance of the Lord's Prayer in the life of the church. And, and hopefully this has helped to, to steer the way that you look at prayer in the future. 
Now, when it comes to living out forgiveness and, and showing radical love, there is one person in particular that comes to mind for me. Someone who has been there for me through so much of the struggle I faced with my own sin and the challenges of repentance. And now I have the blessing and privilege to say that I have been gifted with the chance to walk side by side with her for the rest of my days. And that is the topic of this edition of The Inner Out. There are people that you encounter over the course of your life that have a profound impact on you. They change the way you view the world, many times in many unexpected ways. For me, there are several people that have made such an impact on me. A pastor who listened to my heart and believed in the power of the gospel to change me when others thought that impossible. Friends who loved me in spite of my mistakes and stuck with me to make sure that I was on the road to repentance and recovery. And in the midst of all my challenges, there was one person who, with an unexpected phone call, changed the course of my life forever. She was angry. Boy, was she angry. I sinned. I had screwed up. I made a horrible mistake, and as a result, I had hurt so many people and isolated myself from so many others because of my fear and guilt. In many instances, I, I thought I would never hear from some people again. Friendships lost because of my sin and struggle. And I didn't blame them. It was on me. But that fear had, had paralyzed me. And then one night, around Christmas... My phone rang. I got an earful. All her frustration and sadness over what I had done. It was heartbreaking and hard to hear, but deserved. And after the tears and words, something unexpected. An offer to talk again. It was law, but with hope. A love that pursued even in the midst of mistakes. A week later, another call. More words, but still with that same invitation to talk again. Instead of loving words with abandonment, it was harsh, truthful words with a reckless pursuit of me as one who still deserved to be loved. Weeks and months passed. More conversations, more discussions, each time with a genuine concern and care for me as a person. See, I wasn't my mistake to her. I was someone who got lost but needed to be found. And her frustration turned to support. She called to check in. She, she listened to me vent comforted me through tears and, and reminded me that no one is beyond God's love, and not just with words, but with a willingness to sit with me regularly and her relentless pursuit of my well-being. It was love in a way somewhat unfamiliar to me, but easily recognizable as godly. And then something amazing happened. You know, it's a beautiful thing to find that kind of vulnerability with someone. 
it's mind-blowing to encounter a love that, that actually shows itself to be unconditional. See, love to her is as it should be. It's not just saying that you're there, but actually being there. It's not words of forgiveness, but a relationship that shows it. It isn't telling me it's okay, but crying with me and telling me that even if it isn't, she isn't leaving my side. Amazingly, wonderfully, that love became more than a friendship. Sure, we struggled through difficult choices, through 1,200 miles distance. We dealt with heartbreak and the feeling of betrayal from those who, who seemed as if they loved, but that love was only a sentiment. And through it all, we kept one thing constant. Bible study. Every morning. We knew that this kind of love doesn't originate from us and cannot continue without remembering its source. And it's on that foundation, a foundation of radical mercy, of active love, and of faith in God to pull us through, that we built a relationship. A relationship that brought us to this moment. See, I got engaged over the weekend to this incredible woman. And my life won't ever be the same. Not because of her necessarily, although she is quite amazing, but because of what she lets flow through her. See, I I'm blessed because in this woman, I get to see God every day. And ultimately, isn't that what this is all about? What we offer each other in marriage isn't the junk we bring to the table because we all bring junk, but what we offer is Jesus to each other. A kind of love that, that looks past the junk and strives to show the definition of mercy and grace. A love that pursues and invites vulnerability. A love that lasts because it isn't human, but divine. And when you're presented with that kind of radical, active love, what can you do but be all in? So to my beloved... I am all in. All in for the adventure of this marriage and the living out of the gospel in each other's lives. I am all in for the messiness of two sinners trudging through the mud but doing it together. I am all in for the tears and the copious amounts of laughter. And most importantly, I am all in for a marriage built where it started, on the boldness of a simple act of mercy and grace every day. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bold Speak Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash The Bold Speak. Check us out on our website at www.theboldspeak.com. And also subscribe to this channel and all our media channels to get the latest news, information, and updates as we release them. Until next time, everyone, I'm Anthony Creedon, and that is The Bold Speak.